Therefore, I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. Labor working with our hands, being reviled, we blessed, being persecuted, we suffer it. I'd like to read another verse. In the first epistle of Peter, first chapter, twelfth verse, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us that did minister the things which are now reported unto you, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. I'd like to call your attention to the ninth verse, uh, for I think that God has set forth us apostles last, as it were, appointed to death, and we are made a spectacle unto the world, unto angels, and to men. I'm going to ask Brother Urshan if he would pray God would help us tonight in this message. I thought he was standing right here. Brother Ursa, uh, Brother Perry, would you ask God to bless? Been stripped of many things that you've been blessed with. 
and uh, we're, we're on display before the crowd, and uh, they're watching to see who's going to win the battle. Will the apostle survive this, or will Satan win a victory? He said to how that we've been uh, despised, we've been both hungry and thirsty, naked, buffeted, no certain dwelling place, labor working with our hands. When we're reviled, we bless, and when we're being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat, and we're like the filth of the earth and the off-scouring and so on. He said that it seems like we were brought in at the last event. But this is no sad story to the apostle. In fact, the very beginning of his ministry or his conversion, the Lord said, I will show you what great things you must suffer for my name's sake. Paul isn't complaining about this, but I do feel like that he is chiding this church that they are standing on the sidelines as spectators when they ought to be in the arena with them. There's a lot of difference on which side of this event you're in. If you're in the arena and the gazing crowd is watching you, it's a lot of difference than just be on the sidelines and passing your comments. Yeah. The Apostle Paul was mentioning how that uh, we're weak but you're strong. And uh, we're suffering and you're being blessed. And uh, while we're on display and uh, you are taking a seat and notice the spectators are this class. These are the only spectators that watch this event. The world, angels, men. And I can't help but believe this represents the spirit world, Satan, angels, and the men of this world. We have no place sitting with that crowd. We're not in the angelic crowd. We're not in the Satan group, nor are we in the seat of the scornful. We are on stage. We are the actors. We are the ones that are being looked upon. And we must get involved. We will never be pleasing to God to take a seat in the comfortable seat of a spectator and criticize the church for its lack and its shortcomings and and picture, uh, point out its failures. I'm aware that this speaks of a theater. And I feel like it does a very good job of portraying it in that light. I think this great event began way back in the eon of ages in the mind of God. God had already planned to set the stage for all of these events. This earth, this universe, uh, this earth is the uh, I believe the stage for the universe. I believe it's the theater for the universe. I believe this is where God's doing things that he perhaps is not doing anywhere else. And I can see that when angels rallied around him when he performed the great acts of creation, they saw his mighty works, they saw his great display. And uh, here is Lucifer with his great high honor a place in, in the kingdom of angels. And uh, they saw the day when there come a split in heaven. Third of the angels were influenced by this evil, diabolical um, uh, angel in heaven. And these angels of glory, that other host, when they saw how God without mercy cut these angels off and cast them out, 
There was no remedy. There was no salvation. It was no mercy. They were cut off and cast out. And the angels of heaven sang the song, Holy, 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 was God for his actions. The remaining angels recognized that Almighty God in his wise providence had made a wise decision to cast this group to the lake of fire and completely out of his presence. But then the day came when God made man put him on the earth and gave him dominion over all of this world and made him sit in a very distinguished place. And uh, then when Satan made his bid and won his victory and called God for our parents to fall into sin, and it was at this moment, I believe, the angels were looking on. I believe they were wondering what would he do about this. For he had never tolerated disobedience. Not one angel could ever sass back. Not one angel could speak a word of disrespect. Not one angel and survive. There's salva no salvation for him. He's off. He's gone. He's forever cut off. But here's mortal man made of the dust of the earth. Made in the... Uh, of the most lowly material. But there they see the almighty God. They watch him and look on, thinking that perhaps he might go down and cast them where the fallen angels had gone before. But instead of this, there he sees, there they see him catch a little lamb, or animal of some kind, slay it, take off the skin, put it around these sinful folks, leave them with a promise, and leave them with a hope, and the first time I believe the angels ever saw mercy, they saw it in the Garden of Eden. The first time they ever saw divine mercy that overruled divine justice was in the Garden of Eden. And they looked on amazement. They no doubt wondered why. But I doubt if the one would question the Almighty. They had said there was some things done the angels desired to look into, but it was none of their business. They're onlookers. They look on. They, they look at a distance. They look from a, a, a place that they can't quite understand some of these things. I don't think angels can perhaps comprehend the depth of salvation like we do. But oh, thank God. I appreciate the fact I'm in the act. I'm on the stage. I'm not the spectator. I'm the one getting the benefits of all of these things he's performed. And I look and see in the... When they saw him walk away, and there was no casting out only the Garden of Eden, they watched the handiwork of God all the way through. Satan looks on like angels look on. I believe angels watch us. The Bible said that was one reason why the women should have long hair, because of the angels. I believe that long hair tells an angel that that woman's going to subject him to her husband. I believe that's one good reason why God wanted to have long hair. Let it be long to show that you're under subjection. Angels look on. I believe every rebellious wife that will not let her hair grow long is a reproach to angels. They look on and wonder, how can that be? How could that be? Because God honors and uh, God honors subjection. And uh, I believe the angels look on. He said you should do it because of the angels. I don't know whether we could offend them or how it affects them. I don't know what it means to them. But surely they're looking on, they're watching us. And they see us. I believe that when God displayed his love throughout the Bible and made the plan of salvation, and they saw Calvary, they saw the, the day of Pentecost, they saw the great and mighty works of God upon the church, and all of these things, I believe the angels of heaven rejoiced in everything that God approved. But finally,
only one day there come an hour when this great work of God climax to a certain point at least that was when God put his spirit in the church this made angels be able to have a more definite part I believe because I think angels are able to enjoy our worship when we can worship in spirit and in truth because they're worshiping in heaven continually hallelujah and I think ever so often we hit the same key therein and the heavens ring from glory and the earth sings from earth and I believe heaven above can only get these two together we can't get them together yet because of this mortal but bless your heart one of these days we're going to sing together hallelujah I believe the devils look at us. I believe Satan looks at this church. He's looking at us tonight. She's watching. Spectators from the audience, when a play is going on, they will heckle the actors. They'll throw tomatoes and rotten eggs and, and uh, a number of things when they don't like something. And they haven't particularly cared for what they've seen sometimes. But I believe the devil has got his eye on every one of us. He's got his eye on God's church, upon God's people. The time when Satan appeared in somewhere in the out yonder someplace and God spoke to him and said, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Did you let me look him over? And that conversation was taking place somewhere out there. And uh, Satan said, I sure have. I definitely have looked him over. But it uh, didn't do me much good. You've got a hedge around me. Now the devil knows when God's got a hedge. Yeah. I believe that devil had walked about that hedge for many a day looking over the fence. Amen. <laughs> you know what that hedge was to my thinking? I said it was angels. And those angels had drawn swords. Praise the Lord. And the devil said, I, I, I'd like to get a hold of that fellow. I'd like to be able to tear him down. He thinks he's pretty smart. He's the richest man in the country. He's been blessed by everything. Everything's going his way. If I can just foul it up a little bit, I'll make him curse God. And I think that no doubt many a day he walked by that fence and took a peek over the other side and was about to reach over and get in and an angel threw a sword and poked him back over the fence. Yeah. That fellow's been stuck so many times. He said to the Lord, I can't do anything about it because there's a hedge. <laughs> and that hedge keeps me from touching him. But he's the center of attraction. That boy down, that man, that one convert, that one convert became the stage setting for a, a great display of a contest of how much a man would love God in trial and in test. Yes, brother, I tell you, I believe that devil, when the Lord said he had a chance to go down and try that man, I believe that devil went back to his little uh, headquarters and called the best little imps he had in and began to consult what to do about this situation. Because he knew that if he could accomplish his task, he would be an embarrassment to the Almighty God. Yeah. Friend, I'd say tonight, as sure we're here, sometimes we cuddle our feelings and we kind of feel sorry for ourselves for suffering some little things, but I think sometimes we don't win spiritual battles, we win carnal battles. We win arguments. We win points. But oh, dear God, we want the Lord to win the applause. We want Him to get the credit. It's God Almighty's battle. It is not mine. Bless your heart. He is the director of this play. We're not. We're only the actors. He didn't even ask you what part you wanted to play in the play. He said, here's your part. He didn't even consult you. He said, well, if you want a better part, I don't want you for a better part. I want you for that part. Yeah. Say, well, 
situation. Devils of hell are looking on what we're doing here. It's his delight if it can stir brother against brother, sister against sister, divide the body of Christ. That's his delight and joy. Bless your heart. When we can learn how to suffer wrong and go on keeping the victory, that keeps that fellow in fits. He's running back every once in a while and talking special conference, special meeting. How do you get a hold of that fellow that's in that condition? How do you get that fellow? I know how to get some folks, but I can't get that fellow. Job, 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 Job. That was a thorn in his flesh. He no doubt had many, he had many uh, bars on his shoulders for certain ones that he'd made fall. He could go about boasting in, in his headquarters. Uh, this one's hell, that one's hell, that one's hell, that one's hell. But I can hear one of his lieutenants says, But Captain, what about Job? And I can hear him say, Don't mention the name. On. The Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? Considered it. Sure, heart, we've been making strategies for him for months and years. And not one's worked. You know why? Because that man found a secret. That no matter what would come or go, he wouldn't defile himself by charging God foolishly or making foolish statements. Amen. Hallelujah! Brother, when the Holy Ghost can control your tongue, you've got the victory of the devil. I can see that when... When Satan looks on, he looks on to find fault, criticize. And while you're on stage and you're going through what the Lord said for you to do, the Lord's already given you lines to say, given you the prompting of how you should act under pressure, how you should conduct yourself out in front of the crowd, how to be able to behave yourself when Satan's tempting you, how to get along, and all of these things. You've been well instructed, and he sits within few distance. If you have to miss a line, if you'll stop and listen carefully, you'll hear him speak the word for you to say in your great old word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. There's no need for an idiot but the last one. Amen. Amen. You may say, I lost my lines. I don't know what to say next. Then just listen for just a few moments, and he'll tell you. Relax. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. of the spectators, you have them all bewildered, wondering how it is one man can cause heaven's beings, devils, regions of the lost, and even men of the earth, gather around to see one man on display. But all oh, the Lord just loves to show his church off. <laughs> Praise the Lord! That's his delight to show his church off. Why is he bragging on Job? He said, if he considered myself in Job, I want to brag on him for a while. Oh, I considered him. But I, you can't do, I can't do a thing with him until you pull the hedge down. And he said, I'll pull the hedge down. Oh, well, I'll be glad to take on the opposition if I can just have that privilege. Brother, the devil has asked for permission perhaps to come in on your life and maybe we're not able to take that kind of a test. And the Lord wouldn't even proposition us before Satan. 
And yet there's some folks when something bad happens, they say, well, God, why did this happen to little me? I want you to know that this church is supposed to be a glorious church, a strong church, Amen. a powerful church, not a crybaby church, not a baby church, but a church on stage in front of devils, angels, and the men of this world. And you don't get stage fright while you're out there. Praise the Lord. I believe that when God has made known his will, it isn't up to us to question the outcome. Job was prompted several times what to say. His wife said, curse God and die. You're not the director. You are the producer. <laughs> Actually, you're in the crowd looking on. You're a spectator. That's right. You sound like the crowd to me. The crowd says that. It sounds like you're coming from the section where the devil used to sit in the congregation and in the reserve seat. Sounds like the same voices I hear from the crowd out there. I thought you were with me. You know, sometimes in our sympathy, we defeat the purpose of God. Come a time when the Lord said to the apostles, He said, I must go and suffer. The die and gave it the whole story. Peter with his sympathetic feelings said, Oh no, sir, Lord, no, never, never, never. He pushed that disciple aside and said, Get behind me, Satan. Brother, he could detect where the audiences were. He could detect from what section of the gallery the tomatoes were coming from. He knew from what seat the heifering was coming from. He said, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. Brother, I tell you, when we can learn how to suffer, as a Christian suffers, we're learning the things of God. We have so much today to speak, and we hear it all around us. My right, my right, my right. Everybody's walking with a sign protesting, my right, my right, my right. Only one class of people that don't have rights, and that's the church. You know what we did when we signed a little slip at the altar of repentance and baptism getting filled with the Holy Ghost? We said, Lord, all my rights I give to you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brother, when we've been, when God can display his church like he wants to display his church, he'll prove and show to the world and spectators the devil the angels the men of this world he'll show them the profound power and glory of god he'll show them the love of god he'll show them what we're trying to preach to them because of the very experience of demonstration in front of them praise the lord there's something about it i can see that god sets the, the scene there's a neighbor in your community that doesn't know the law he doesn't care about god and, and the Lord wants to convict that man's soul. This man be a, may be a very wicked man. And uh, you may find him causing you trouble. He doesn't seem to care how he mistreats your children. And he may not appreciate your dog coming over in his yard. He may not appreciate you uh, making friends with him. All well, number of things can happen to neighbors and men on the job you work with. But the Lord wants to show this man a Christian, a real Christian. 
So the Lord sets a little play up, a little act all set up, act number one. God allows you to be put in a position to display what God would like that man to know as a love of God. Praise the Lord. Be careful before you call the police on him. <laughs> be careful before you give him up and say, well, that man could never get saved. Because all we're to do is display what God wants done. Amen. There's something about it when God wants to win souls, he doesn't always consult us on the method he wants to use. I think of Brother Larson going down to Columbia and hearing this man's testimony and hearing how that he went there and suffered for some seven years, lost his wife, had to preach her own funeral, bury her, and still there's no results, no converts, no re results seem like visibly, but there was something in that man that just stayed and stayed and stayed. I believe the devils of Columbia had a conference, and I believe they organized all their imps to set themselves in an array against for the loss and his wife and family coming to Columbia. I believe they set about doing whatever they could to hinder that work. And there was a man that was just as, just as determined to see that it goes. God called me here one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. About time anybody go in five years. After all, if you can't do anything five years, you ought to quit. And I believe it was seven years. Losing his wife and all of these hardships, I think that the devils of hell had it all planned. This will just about get him. He'll be here so long. He'll get homesick. Things will be discouraging. It won't work out for him. He'll find reason to go home after about four or five years. He's bound to go home. But when he didn't go home, no doubt there might have been a, a plan and might have been a bargain. And they might have said, well, if you'll let us uh, take that man's wife away from him, I'll be sure he'll go home too. Whether the Lord had that kind of bargain, I don't know. But there's a bargain about Job, something like that. And the Lord just allowed the angels that will go down and take it to Lost and bring it on home. The Lord seems to come at the devil to a certain point. The reason he does is to prove his point. Praise the Lord! To prove his point! Brother, when this man could stand that test, preach his own wife's funeral, make her own coffin, I believe it was, and uh, stand there and carry out this act, those people of Columbia saw a demonstration of the glory and the presence of God upon a missionary they never saw in all their life. Praise the Lord! There was something that happened to those folks. They began to come in to want to inquire, how could a man do this? I've never in all of my life saw anything like this. No, I guess you haven't. Because God's demonstrating his divine love for a lost and dying Columbia. Praise the Lord! There's me and the God over there. If I have to suffer one of mine being lost in this life, and don't think for a moment, friend, that when a Christian falls in battle, that that's defeat. No siree. Oh, bless your heart. We, we've gained victories when we've gone on to be with the Lord. It's God's program for you and for me. To walk with God and then he takes one and leaves the other. It's none of our business. We just keep on going. Keep on believing God. Peter and James sat in that prison house and they took James and beheaded him. Sad day for that church. A sad day for that wife. Sad day for that family. Sad day for all of his friends. But there sat the apostle Peter untouched, unharmed. There's a great place right there for everybody to question God. Why did God do that and he let him go? Almost blaming God that he didn't know how to conduct his business. Well, God just said, well, it's time for James to go off stage. I'm through with his part of the act, 
and here's Simon, I'm still, he's on stage yet. That's all there is to it. That was the end of his part, end of his course, end of his race. He's finished. For this act, praise the Lord. We look on the scene sometimes in a sympathetic human thinking until we think if we die, the terrible things, anything happens bad to us like if we lose a loved one or a friend or a close one. But the Almighty God controls this church. This is His doings, not mine, not yours. And if it's His divine will to move one of us off the scene, that's His business. Friend, when He could have very well have kept both of them in jail. That same angel come down and locked the door for Simon could have unlocked the door for James just as well. Just as well. And Jane, Peter was sitting there asleep when the angel walked in and uh, took him walking to sleep. The devil had it all set up. Just the very next day, Herod was going to carry out the plan. It's all signed, sealed, and settled. It's going to work. Uh, I know it's going to work. All of his little devils had it all plot and planned to get rid of this apostle, Apostle Peter. He's got the keys. But let me tell you something. There is something about it. The presence of God and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost is working, whether you and I know it or not. We, we sometimes say God's working in the service and we've got a real glorious shout and hallelujah. That's fine. That's wonderful. But God is, is also working when we're going through a desperate, hard, terrible place. The Holy Ghost is still there. The devil comes along and whispers in your ear and says, oh, look, they took James out last night and beheaded him. You're next, Simon. I, I, I don't know what if I'd kind of throw up my hand and quit serving that Jesus. I don't know what I'd just forget about the whole thing. But evidently, he didn't seem to care too much. He went to sleep. No one tomorrow is going to behead me. Might as well go, go out arrested, go out worrying about it. He sat in that prison and went to sleep. That was a Holy Ghost kind of peace. I, it couldn't have been any other kind. <laughs> That's a peace of God. <laughs> I can almost see the devils in hell trying to get up a little storm and say, well, do something to wake him up. After all, he's going to go to sleep on us in the middle of his act. It won't be much of a job to, uh, tomorrow. Let's keep him awake all night. Keep him worried all night. Brother, that devil can keep you on aspirins and anisons and on sleeping pills and get-up pills and get-down pills and everything else if he can keep you worried. Amen. Word, 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 word. His worried devils are on time. They've got plenty of jobs and plenty of people that's giving them plenty of do. But I, somehow or another, there was a peace that came into Simon's heart. And I think that devil was sent along there to keep him awake all night. But tried every act he could perform. He couldn't keep him awake because he wasn't tuning in on him. He was tuning on heaven's peace. The Lord said, I'll give you my peace, Simon. The kind of peace that the world can't give nor can it take away. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sitting there in the stock in an uncomfortable position. And yet, praise the Lord. Brother, that to me is a display of, the, of real peace. Real peace. Praise the Lord, real peace. And I can see that dealer walking past by the cell looking in. And that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Those fellas that will be putting that in that uh, cell are going to go out to Marty Bent and shoot They walk the cell all night long. That's when they caught the freaking cell thief in there. Brother, that's in heaven. Heaven angels looking on the scene. And I believe the Lord dispatched a special angel. I want to go down and take care of Simon, get him out of jail. I'm not through with him yet. That's not part of, that isn't the end of the act for him. I want him going out there and go out to that prayer meeting and go off someplace else and take care of himself and there's still a job for him to do. Well, the angel didn't have to stop and ask the question how to do it. He just walked on through the uh, guards and passed the guards through the gate into the building. He didn't open the door. He's going in there. 
Got a hold of Simon and shook him on the shoulder and woke him up. Wake up, Simon. And Simon checked himself and looked around. And he told him to do what the guards say do. He got up and put on his sandals like they always, when he's going to take you out and begin to walk, kind of out in his sleep. Didn't seem to have much concern about all the corn. I guess I'm supposed to go somewhere. Maybe I'm going to execution now. And it, this is going to be it. And that's about the size of it. But when that cold air hit him out in the, out in the courtyard, he woke up. And the angel got him outside the gate and that thing clinked behind him. He said, now you, you can take care of me on out. <laughs> so now I get you outside the gate, you ought to do the rest of it. And he looked around, he's gone. Well, sure, he had enough sense. And he knew there was a prayer meeting going on. He knew where it was going to be. He wasn't there, but he knew there was going to be one. Great Lord. There's going to be a prayer meeting. Brother, if the church would pray for our people when they get in prison, and pray and pray and pray and pray until the angels come on the scene and unlock their prison doors. No need of our church people going around discouraged, disgruntled, and disheartened, and defeated, and whipped, and beaten. Brother, let's get a, let's get a prayer meeting going. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Lord wants this world to know that no jail would hold his actors when he wants to get them out. He'll take them out and... He'll let him get in. He'll take him out. Well, that next morning must have been an awful commotion in that jailhouse when they went in there to find that sleeping preacher. And there he gone. Yes, sir, brother. He disappeared in his dreams that night, and they couldn't find him. I want you to see that, that the works of the evil forces are working against the church. Now, we're no different. They were in Act 1. We're in Act 3. They did their job well. They read their lines well. They cut out their performance well. In fact, it was so well that we have a whole book of acts of the early church, how they acted during their time on stage. Act after act. And the Lord said, I like that so well that their church, I want the rest of my church to do the same old way. Same way, same way, same way. Same way, same way. But I want you to know something, unless the resolution or bylaw is in accord to this book, the act of this book, it won't mean that much to it. Because the heavenly director has his hand on this thing above all of us. Praise the Lord. I believe that we should abide by. I believe we ought to abide by. The obligations that we make upon one another, we ought to stand by. Praise the Lord. I believe Paul settled that circumcision question once and for all. They went up to Jerusalem, and there was a lot of turmoil over that circumcision question. When those seven got together and they settled that question, that was forever settled as far as Paul was concerned the apostles. It's forever done. Oh, I know some fellows over there, they kept on bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. But Paul said, it's settled. It's settled. It's settled. It's settled. It's settled. It's settled. Praise the Lord. I'm getting a little bit tired of hearing folks of the rumors. Will television come up again? Will it come up again? As far as I'm concerned, it's settled. It's settled. Praise the Lord. Any honest, conscientious person that has signed those, those, that application is obligated under those obligations there. And it's settled. What I talk about? 
those brothers settled that for me back there somewhere, back then somewhere, 10 years ago. Yeah. Now, I don't think that happened by accident. No. I think the Almighty God had something to do with those brothers. I believe the Holy Ghost had something to do about it. I don't believe that God ever intended his church to be run on political basis. I believe we ought to be so fearful about how we conduct our business meeting and conduct our vote that we're not counting votes and we're not counting pressure groups, but we're counting on God. Lord, you give me your mind. Praise the Lord, give me the mind of the Holy Ghost. Because, brother, this isn't our play. This isn't our act. We're the actors. And actors do not choose their parts. The Holy Ghost chooses. Praise the Lord, the Holy Ghost chooses. I believe that we're living in the last days. I believe we're at the end of the, uh, of the, of the act is about to come, the curtain's about to come down. And old friend, it's such a cry in my soul. Oh God, let act three equal act one. Praise the Lord. Let this Latter-day church compliment the first-day church. Let this United Pentecostal church grasp the hold of the early church of spirituality. Anointing, power, glory, unity, faith. May the Lord let all those things be a part of this church in this latter day. There's something about the Holy Spirit. God is moving. I know you can witness the same thing. There's a move of God on. If our ears is tuned toward heaven, the Spirit of the living God is witnessing to all of us that the time of His coming draws nigh at hand. It's near at hand. Brother, you can. Look, as Brother Chambers mentioned tonight, news as it is. Haven't read a newspaper in two or three days now. I feel pretty good. Haven't even heard a newscast, and I feel better. That dear old Gabriel here, I'm so glad he finally went off the air. He kept more people in the jitters than anybody I know. During World War II, he come on the air and said, well, we're losing on all fronts tonight. And by the time he got through, the saints had come to prayer meeting, come testifying, gave the heater. <laughs> well, brother, if he was having a hard time back there, he ought to be here now in Vietnam. We have a time figuring that one out. But we're living in a day when everything about us is getting confused. And I, I believe that, that the audience is getting confused. You and I might forget figuring it out. We are going to make Johnson do any different than he's doing. And McNamara, he's going to keep on uh, either taking those planes out of the air, putting them in. And I doubt very much that he's going to do much with those butchers, and I doubt he's going to do very much with those leftists and rightists. And about the sanest way that I know of is to make sure that that crowd doesn't baffle you what you're doing your act on stage. It's the devil's job to confuse God's church that's on display. And if you're not careful, you'll let that crowd baffle you and, and get you so confused that you'll lose your lines and you'll turn on the audience and you'll start ripping them apart. That's all the devil wants. He heckled you and you heckled back. He heckled again, you heckled back again. And while you're heckling, you lost sight of your lines and your part in God's program. And he finally had, some folks, he's had to say, uh, would you please get that one off stage? He doesn't know his part. That's right. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. And when you lose your part and lose your line, he doesn't display you, you just mark it down. But in the confusion of our time that we live in, it's only fulfilling what Brother Urson, Brother Pear preached 40 years ago. But we're living in it. The condition of our world, it's in the moral condition of our nation. Our Supreme Court has disappointed everybody that I know of. They are, there are so many letdowns, letdowns, letdowns. Now what does that mean? It means that this church should know where it's going, what it's going to do about it, and keep its head, keep its heart, and walk clean and holy, because we're getting ready to get out of here. Amen. And I'll tell you for one moment that God intended for this church to be politicians. And now you may run for councilman, you may run for mayor, you may run for some political job, but I'll guarantee you you'll lose out spiritually and you won't correct anything. The best job you can run for is a Holy Ghost filled, powerful, packed Holy Ghost ministry. Fill the power and the glory of God. If we're out to run for God, we've got to climb that spiritual ladder. We've got to keep our souls guarded from the darkness of this world. We must keep the light when the world is losing its, its direction. We must not curse the darkness, but strike a light. And I believe this time that we in the church realize it's the devil's business to divide us. The devil's business to confuse us. Brother, we've got to be determined. We're going to love each other. We're going to find an answer. We're going to pray that God gives us an answer. We're going to love our brother above ourselves. We're going to surrender our will to the will of God. We're going to pray for heaven's revival and the Holy Ghost working that will solve all of our needs. That's the only answer I can see for this day we live in. Mordecai said, Esther, if you don't think that you, because you're in the king's chamber, that you'll escape the decree. And when Hester saw that she was involved, oh, I'm safe for the whole ghost shot in the victory. I'm going to heaven. Glory, hallelujah. But wait a minute. That devil's got something for you too. You won't escape it either. And Esther said this. Said, you tell them to go out and fast three days and three nights. I'm going to fast with my maiden three days and three nights. I'll go in before the king. If I die, I die. Brother, this church never progressed until blood was shed. And we're doing all we can to keep from shedding any. This, this, when the church bleeds, it blesses. It's for sure. And I, I'll grant you, I'm not talking about modern conveniences. That doesn't make the difference. I tell you what does make the difference. is the condition of our hearts in giving ourselves. You can be as poor as Job's turkey and never have a dime to spare and still be a gullible, covetous person. But I believe that when the church has felt this burden for the call of the hour, and we can say, as I see Brother Beasley has done in going to this uh, foreign land, if I die, I die. But I go to give myself at least what I can give. I, I, I want to put this in our own land. I, I, I pray God give us more missionaries. And I hope somebody will speak more about missionaries before it's over. But I want to say to you and me tonight, I feel like we must make a missionary consecration. We must make it in a mess. Right in this country, make that kind of a consecration. The kind of a consecration that can say, if I die, if I perish, I perish. 
I tell you, many a man of God is suffering tonight under the terrible little uh, onslaught of being a failure. Oh, if I lose this bit of my church, I'll be a failure. My brother will think I've failed. I'm not a very good preacher. I can't hold folks together. Friend, until you get a church and a foundation of holiness, righteousness, respect for the pastor, church government, living holy lives, it won't stick. It won't stick. But if you've got a foundation, it's got two, three, four, five, ten, whatever it is. You've got a church that's built on a rock. The winds will blow, the waves will come. But there's something in that church that says, we're sticking, we're sticking. Hallelujah, we're staying, we're staying, we're staying, we're staying. We're here to stay. Bless your heart, the devil get tired of blowing his old hot air for a while, he'll forget about you. Well, I can't do any good there, I'll go someplace else. And while he's let up on you, grab a few more and bring them in, get them grounded. Praise the Lord. Every church has a time, it seems like, when the devil gets in and starts kicking off the walls. And you wonder who's going to stand now. That's right. Who's going to make it now? I tell you who's going to make it. Those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord for your presence.